Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Extremely Internet Podcast. We're an internet history podcast that explores internet culture with stories we find on the internet. Uh, I'm, of course, your host, uh, Kyle Anderson, uh, joined, as always, uh, by Dat Boy himself, uh, Mitch Holloman. Is it memes today? Are we going with memes? I think that might be, I think that might be what we do. Okay, I guess yeah. that... That checks out. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go old ones for this one. Uh, joined uh, today uh, with some special guests, uh, the Numa Numa guy himself, Adam Sloves. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was so nervous. You're like, what old man? What old meme? But I guess uh, I am the Numa Numa guy. And then, and then uh, the 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 battle toad calling GameStop himself. Whoa, Dude, I Josh used to do that Levy. all the fucking time. I used to call so many GameStops and ask for battle toads. Dude, my friend worked at one. He said he'd get phone calls about battle toads. Like easily half the phone calls coming in at GameStop were about battle toads. <laughs> it's crazy it. they haven't done like a like a remake of Battle Toads for they like put the it out Switch. again. The original um, one. Yeah, the original one. Yeah, they need, they need to put out a new one. one. One that looks like Cuphead, you know? Anyway, uh, we're, we're here. Uh, you guys uh, have a really, really cool um, live show slash uh, Instagram account. Uh, you guys make dope videos. Me Money. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, Me Money is a... It's the, we call it the only show on the internet. Uh it started when Josh and I were like tired people showing us old fucking memes we had seen oh, already. So we're like, we have to make an account to kind of get on the forefront of what memes not to show us. We'll show you. And then we're like, you know, we need, we need, we need to make this a live show, but no one wants to watch an hour of us going, look at this meme. Yeah. No, it really can't <laughs> just be, hey, have you seen this? So after, you, after you guys put on that live show 35 times and realized nobody liked it, you guys moved on to the format you have now, right? Yeah, it's like we yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. like stand up comedy works in there and be way more entertaining. We still do, hey, have you guys seen this meme? And everyone's like, no, we don't get it. We're like, well, we yeah. got a like, headliner you've heard of, so it's hang on <laughs> yeah no if you guys are in the la area uh me money is a super fucking fun show you guys like show videos from filmmakers in between like some really awesome like little sketches yeah we make a lot of original content stuff. for yeah. that stuff yeah, uh we that, just that put out a video yesterday not to start plugging too early Ooh, but uh go, no go, go hey turn off this you're not gonna fucking listen to this whole thing anyway go turn off the podcast yeah, yeah. Check well, out me money. Think <laughs> should come at the beginning yeah dude do plugs at the beginning before they like you Go watch yeah. our new video, cars or moms lifting cars off of babies. We put it out for uh, <laughs> Mother's really Day. Funny. It is a fantastic piece of media. It's the exact reason why I went to art school. Did you guys oh, know yeah. all the moms, or did you? Was there a mom casting process? Oh, uh, there was. <laughs> no, we know, we know, we're all people we know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We just had to like change it up last minute because like one was like, "Oh, I'm still coming back from Vegas, so I can't, I can't shoot today." Hey, she like, sounds well, fun, dude. Like, All right. Wait, when so did you just, shoot this? We uh, shot it last ago. Easter. <laughs> we just never. <laughs> we and never I know that because we ruined a little girl's Easter. Because uh, if you haven't seen the video, spoiler alert. Um, 
we put a baby doll under the tire of a car and filmed <laughs> it in my like driveway and a little girl walked by on Easter and was very concerned for this baby that was just she, being like, crushed like, by this car and everything. Oh my and, god. Uh, she like we were shooting with Steph Tolov. I don't know if you you know her her work, but she's a very screamy yeah. uh person yeah and we were like shooting a take where she's just like, charging to the front of the house screaming my baby my baby and there's like this <laughs> six-year-old kid like crying she's like what is happening <laughs> so then, she has, like, a little easter egg basket hey, she's, like, hey like, this, Sunday morning. this kid it's so funny to me that growing up in Los Angeles, you can't become a six-year-old without like seeing like improv everywhere sketches happening in front of you <laughs> it's like you're just a four-year-old and you're like, why is this flash mob dancing outside this wiener shit? <laughs> I would argue that that is more traumatizing than growing up in like Detroit and seeing people like murdered in front of you. Yeah, no, what you guys process what, that. What you guys did is way worse than Epstein. Um, so oh. <laughs> we, have, <laughs> we all agree. We're all in agreement with that. Um, wait, wait. No. <laughs> it's way worse. Like I watched it this morning. Like this is worse than any sort of genocide <laughs> I can think of. You guys, uh, you guys posted one of my favorite memes I've ever seen, which was uh, someone did incredible work with it. But it's like a dog agility course. <laughs> and, and little little Shrek is running through. They've taken John out Bobby. the dog and they replaced it with little baby Shrek. And it's yeah, dude. I've watched that three thousand times. <laughs> I can't. It's definitely that. one of my favorite memes in recent memory. Like that that creator Chan Bonnie on Instagram just does a bunch of Shrek videos like that with this like little three D poorly animated, <laughs> almost Gary's mod esque Shrek. <laughs> Gary's mod Shrek. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. So, Mitch, uh, what do we got today, buddy? Uh, well, today we are going to start off with a little a, 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 a more literal palate cleanser. Because uh, today we're going to talk uh, about pizza. It's our, our little short oh. at the top. Yeah, well, you know, with everybody, everybody right now being indoors, a uh, lot of people, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ordering a lot of food, you know? Yeah, no, I uh, I accidentally got Postmates Premium. Like, I I, I, I like hit the wrong button and got like un. So it's un it's unlimited, the amount of times that they'll deliver to you for free. So, uh, that makes you order a lot more Postmates. Wow, <laughs> you're like well, Postmates I mean, Premium. I think it's thirty dollars a month. I don't know. My my girlfriend actually. What? Wait, what was I that? mean, I guess you're pay- if you're using oh, Postmates 10. a lot of. I think I guess it's ten. So I've actually done the exact good. opposite. I have only made meals for myself, no matter how garbage they have been. Whoa, you're like a frontiersman. Mm, I'm better than you. Wow. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, chair and I cook a- meals for myself. Ooh, I have a bedside table. <laughs> <laughs> Which was all pre-show fodder that the audience has no reference for. Yeah. Um, well, hey, if you wanna, if you want to get the pre-show fodder, uh, subscribe to the Patreon where there's just a live we, feed of a camera it. in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and it's never turned off. And also, if you click on it, it plays forever, and you can't turn it off, and you have to throw away your computer, get a new one. Oh, it's a virus. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a virus. Cool. Love it. It's a virus from 1995. It's bonsai, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's our Patreon. Um. <laughs> so very recently, a Reddit user in Philadelphia, uh, you slash Kendall Neff, 
I, that seems like their real name. Mike, Mike shouldn't have said that, but uh, <laughs> they I'm made that, it their username. I do, too. I do that too. I, my Steam name is just Mitch Holloman, and I started to think like, well, but what if, what if people like think about me and they want to join me anyway? Uh, so they wanted to place an order on Grubhub, Kendall Neff. Uh, they wanted to get some pizza, but more specifically, they wanted to support their local pizzeria, small business, uh, Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. Cool. So she ordered her pizza and then she got her pizza and and she she looked at the pizza and pizza didn't look dope. So she texted her Grubhub driver and She's like, said, these are wings. Uh, <laughs> said just curious was this food from Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> now imagine, imagine you're the driver. And you get a text from the person you just dropped off the fucking pizza. And they're like, hey, um, quick, quick cue. <laughs> Did you go to a Chuck E. Cheese in the allotted time? <laughs> Well, the driver responded uh, that when he picked up the order, um, he did go to a Chuck E. Cheese. But <laughs> okay, well, maybe I was in the wrong here. <laughs> but the Chuck E. Cheese had the logo for Pasquale's Pizza and Wings, just like plastered on the windows. What? what? There seemed to be a conspiracy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean. <laughs> so so Kendall did some some quick investigating and discovered that um Pasquale uh, is actually the name of uh the fictional chef in the Chuck E. Cheese universe. No. Pasquale no. P. No. Plate. No. <laughs> no. And that, wake up, wake up you sheep. And that uh the Pasquale's restaurant had the same street address as Chuck E. Cheese. And more confusingly, there is actually another Which is also, it's also the same street address as the White House. (laughs) (laughs) There's also another place in Philadelphia, uh, West Philly, uh, called uh, Pasquale's. It's Pasquale's Pizza. Nothing to do with with, with Chuck E. Nothing to do with the... Does, wait, does so that pizza maker has no idea that he shares a name with the fictional pizza maker in the <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese universe? I yes. never, I just wasn't familiar with Chuck E. Cheese's extended lore. I, I forgot just, about I, it. I'm confused to be about this story. So you got to read the novels wait. to really understand everything happening in the Chuck in the Chuck E. Verse. Can, can I ask some questions? I don't know if I please follow, yeah. follow that. In this, absolutely. It like I feel really stupid. No, no. <laughs> I don't get it. You know what? So. This one, I I'm like skimming an article right now, and I'm butchering someone else's very well pieced together work. So questions are very okay. warranted. So this person has their has a restaurant that they already know of and like called Pasquale's 
or she's deciding to support any random local yeah, I think she was just trying to support a local oh, pizza. Right? I, yeah, I thought it was like she loves like going down to Pasquale's every day, and that all of a sudden <laughs> like, it's a Chuck E. Cheese. Like she's a regular slapped on top. That's how I was going. Like what she knew what fuck? kind of pizza she was expecting. That's what I thought was yeah, Chuck, yeah. Chuck E. Cheese knows that she like knew that the pandemic was coming. They've been playing the long con. They have sleeper cell restaurants set up all across the country, ready to become Whoa. ready to become ancillary Chuck E. Cheeses at any point. <laughs> Well, as it turns out, actually, and Adam, uh, as far as I know, I don't think Kendall Neff uh, had any knowledge of the other okay. Pasquale's, but what just saw a local pizza place named Pasquale's, maybe had heard it from friends before mm-hmm. and was like, oh, I'll try it. And then saw, like, you, we know what Chuck E. Cheese pizza looks like. Shane Dawson did that whole video about it. We've all, we've all yeah, seen my little, it. My little brother worked at Chuck E. Cheese for a long time and, uh, after the pandemic started, I don't know if you guys saw the meme, uh, but there was a meme going around of a Chuck E. Cheese and they didn't have like money for a sign, I guess. So they literally just spray painted on the side of their building. We are open. $4.99. And my brother's like, that's actually a really good deal. Can't beat these pandemic prices, guys. Yeah, we got we got to move these pizzas. <laughs> I like the idea that they rebranded them because the idea that they like no no restaurant has had the balls, the American cojones to just straight up lie to us about who they are. <laughs> like like people aren't supposed know. to be going to like Panda Express, but if Panda Express just called themselves the fucking Golden Dragon cafe or whatever they'd get so many more orders right now they get so there it's maybe the most american company move of all time to blatantly lie to all of us <laughs> i just assume all companies are lying to me at all times i don't know how you guys oh, there's no ethical it. consumption under late capitalism no absolutely not there's, <laughs> there's none of that not during true capitalist hours. I think this is a different podcast discussion. Yeah. <laughs> no, true capitalist hours is our is uh, Mitch and I's like fringe Marxist podcast. Not so fringe anymore, but uh, <laughs> times are changing. But pretty a mainstream now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, regarding your uh, sleeper cell theory, Kyle. Uh, there are dozens of Grubhub listings for Pasquale's from Denton, Texas to Oceanside, California to Skokie, Illinois, and all of them share an address with Chuck E. Cheese. According to another Reddit commenter, this isn't totally unheard of in the Grubhub world. Uh, it's what they call a virtual kitchen. It's usually used for places that want to try to have a different concept to create more income, but it's delivery only. So like, they want to make like a fancier version of themselves. Oh, I do that too. It's a rebrand. And I, and I but how long can people be ordering Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> you get once, and then you're like, "Yeah, this is fucking terrible. This is Chuck E. Cheese pizza. I'm not gonna order it again." I like how Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> is trying to catfish you into eating it. Yeah, you're like, "No thanks." I'm gonna make a dating profile where I'm really hot, and then when guys ask me for nudes, I'm gonna tell them to order a large two topping. <laughs> So does this work? Does this like sustain this does fake also, Chuck E. Cheese does it, does it operation? Does it come in Chuck E. Cheese boxes, or do they have well? Do they have secondary pizza boxes unbranded? Oh, that's well. That's according weird. to um, a spokesperson for Chuck E. Cheese, uh, they they did address it. They said uh, Pasquale's Pizza and Wings, named after another favorite member of Munch's make believe band, 
shares kitchen space with the Chuck what? E. Cheese restaurant. They can't. Okay, hold on. They cannot act like that is an established thing. They, they're acting like that's the Justice League and everybody's heard of it. And How was anyone? What did they call, Munchies Mates? What the fuck did they just call these guys? Uh, it is Munchies Make Believe Band. Oh my God. That is a, that's an act of munchies. Not that's even munchy. domestic munch. terrorism. He's, he's just named Munch. Which one Boy. is Munch? Which one in the group? The one that I, I just know that now he eats your tickets. Ew! <laughs> If you, if you if you go there now, I have a little sister. I'm not just hanging out at Chuck E. Cheese. Um, okay, hold on. I'm looking up Munch's Make Believe Band. Why isn't Chuck E. Cheese the leader of his own band? Wait, Showbiz Pizza. What Chuck E. Cheese I'm on, ran. Sorry, I'm on Chuck the, E. Cheese I'm on the is too show. busy to lead a band. I'm on the Showbiz Pizza. Uh, Mickey Mouse uh, wouldn't lead a band. Oh, did I say Mickey Mouse? I meant Chucky. No, no, I said Mickey Mouse. Okay. I'm just comparing the two because he's like the Mickey Mouse of the Chucky e. Cheese That's universe. Not tr- Mickey Mouse has lead bands. I guess he has. There's documentation. Mickey Mouse is a known band leader. <laughs> and gang leader. <laughs> known band leader. Okay, so, the, so, the, so here's how the band breaks down. You have Chucky e. Cheese on vocals, of course. Okay. <laughs> you have... Now you have the Helen Henny. You have... Yeah, the front man. Really, really the sex that sells the whole <laughs> the whole outfit. Now you have Helen Henny, uh, who is like a, a horrifying little chicken. She kind of looks like uh, um, the original that duck movie, uh, Howard the Duck. Is yeah, that yeah, yeah. I'm pulling up a picture right now of the she band. She kind of looks like Howard the Duck. Now I would assume she's kind of the Stevie Nicks of the group. She's also on vocals. So I think she's pretty uh, essential to the to their sort of like elevated success. Now we have Mr. Munch, uh, who's mm, on vocals. Is, and that, is he? He has a. He's got a prefix before. Please, please, <laughs> my Mr. Munch is my father's name. <laughs> also, you'd assume he would be cool. He kind of just looks like uh, like grimace with blonde hair. Like he's like grimace and dyed his hair blonde during quarantine. Um, I liked that guy when I was a kid. Let's see. Jasper T. Jowls on uh, electric guitar. He's a dog. He's just a dog. That's it. Uh, the T. The T stands for Tennessee. <laughs> I don't know why that's a. I don't know why that's a fact. Well, the E um, stands for entertainment. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. Chuck, okay. Chuck Entertainment. Everyone, know, everyone knows. Now, Charles Pas- Entertainment Cheese. Pasquale P. Pie Plate. Uh, let's see. He's I feel like he's oh, oh my God! He's a chef. He is a he's chief pizza chef and an aspiring comedian. Oh, oh wow. they, they wrote into the canon of Chuck E. Cheese characters. Also, he used Not to be. Wait, he used to be an extremely racist Italian stereotype. <laughs> Hold on. The puppet from the 70s is one of the most racist things I've ever seen. It's like, it's horrifyingly racist. If you have a chance, go look up. Oh my God. Go look up uh, Pasquale B. Pie Plate, 1970s first gen animatronic. It is literally like, oh my god! It is, it is a fucking. There's a couple of these that are just, 
absolutely <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's, but like horrifyingly oh, racist. Wait, to oh, wait. Oh. Are we all oh, looking at the God. same one? There's so many different versions. Here. There's so I many different ones. Weird eyes. I think you they know which one, though. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's there, one can, in particular. <laughs> but we can all agree they are all horrifying. Why would they? He racist to Italian. Well, I want to hear what his comedy is like now. <laughs> Not inspiring. Well, it what can't he, be good because he just... he's just aspiring. He's it's a make believe band, and he hasn't succeeded. All of his all of his comedy is uh, is just like um, Sebastian Maniscalco. <laughs> like it's all about being Italian. <laughs> He's I do like there there is no uh quicker way to make an open mic comedian though than to have somebody in a failing band who works in a kitchen. Mm. <clears throat> like that is that's a recipe for a comedian right there. Huh. This guy looks like he came in like fourth place at an Uncle Clyde's contest, if I had to like pinpoint <laughs> his his type. <laughs> yeah. Pasquale gets all the other members of the band to show up at flappers so that's he can stage <laughs> Uh, okay, so then, then the other member of the band is Moon. Uh, no okay. fun name, just the is Moon. And nope, it's a Moon. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> it's, it's the Moon wearing lipstick. What is it? What, what does it play? Now, it does backing vocals and is the band's announcer. That checks out. Now there is also another. Oh my god! There's another member of the band called Building, and it's just a building <laughs> with a mouth. Oh, I see Building. Building is wild, and then well, Wink. Is building the venue. No, Building is also an announcer. Now Wink, <laughs> Wink is an animated. Uh, okay, this is weird. So there's a there's a sign above where the band plays. And the sign is, the is sign of, a member of the band. Yes, its name is Wink, and the sign <laughs> the sign is a member of the band, and the sign is a sign of Chucky going like this. And after every performance, he winks uh, when the performance is done. Like the, the the things close, and then Chucky winks, and that is a member of the band. They claim, and the instrument it plays is the wink. Now, so Wink plays the Wink. Are we to believe that... <laughs> There's two like, more members of this band. Now, hold on. Are we to believe that that was a sign of Chuck E. Cheese that was printed and created and then uh, like achieved a level of sentience? Or was the this... The moon like, and a, a building have done piece that. piece of wood. But this one specifically horrifies Whoa. me because this could be a prisoner. Like, was this a sentient sign that they found that just had this eye? All it could do was view the world, and it was happy doing that. And then they slapped this <laughs> Chucky logo over it, and now it's just held captive above a stage, forced to wink after every performance that it's it's just horrified through. I mean, I think you're right. It's I don't, possible. I think that, I mean, you would, I wouldn't put put anything fucking past jasper tennessee jowls now <laughs> <laughs> no, there is also the last two members of the band here um is pizza cam who is a camera that films the band does he film it on pizza <laughs> why is it called the, is that like from the perspective of pizza what is it what is pizza cam <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be some kind of a uh Let's see. Pizza Cam is a prop character formerly installed on the stage left at Chuck E. Cheese three-stage location containing Munch's make-believe band. He's located on stage left with drummer Pasquale. The character has not been acknowledged by name by the other characters. 
They won't. So is, is Pete the Cam Cannon, or is he just during, part of the EU? During the Charlie Rocket intermissions during the Eurostar show tape from September 1993, Charlie identifies him as Pizza Cam. <laughs> what the fuck? But he is How a is member... there this much lore for Chuck E. Cheese? Like, <laughs> I just remember the fucking right? ball like, pit. Really oh, we, we haven't even touched. We haven't even touched the fucking. We haven't even talked about the Rockefeller explosion. We haven't even t- talked about the world events. This, this is like they're like crises on infinite Earths, you know. Like <laughs> we haven't even talked about the major world events that tie, like what, like some of the major like world events that tie like Moon's backstory into like what Helena Henny is dealing with. <laughs> so the last member of the band. So Pizza Cam does backing vocals. <laughs> Um, Munch Munch Jr. is the last member of the band, um, and he bounces to the band. That is his uh, that's his contribute contribution. Um, yeah, pretty sad, honestly. He's just a smaller Munch, and I I kind of feel like he's in the band just because his dad is like a, a core member. Nepotism. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. You, you hate to see it. <sighs> uh, can I share something interesting I just found in my Chuck E. Cheese side research? Yeah, I don't know if this I'm, is allowed fucking finding a lot in this too. podcast, but uh, I found this this guide. Uh, it's called the Chuck E. Cheese's Church Growth Strategy, and it's a oh, church no. talking about how you can attract kids to your church by using the same strategies Chuck E. Cheese uses to attract its audience, and it's... <laughs> Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty fascinating. Holy uh, shit! Was I'm trying to say anything about the Chuck E. Cheese. No, it's published by Relevant Child Ministry, uh, RelevantChildrensMinistry.com. Well, but how can we know that that's just not a yet another shell corporation created <laughs> by Chucky and his group? <laughs> like that's Strat- the thing is, is Here, you ask the question. The band. You ask the you question. Mean- was that made by Chuck E. Cheese? At this point, we're not sure if. If there's anything that wasn't made by Chuck E. Cheese, dude, there's some Chuck E. Cheese shit. I just found out that. Did you know Chuck E. Cheese is an orphan? <laughs> I'm actually. There's a story. I, I just. I just I sent you guys a thing. Because one of the first times I hung out with Kyle, we got on his elevator, and he was like, "Yeah, no, I was." Uh, do you know the E? The E in Chuck E. Cheese stands for entertainment. I was looking it up. He's got some wild lore. Kyle has actually been down this road before and somehow washed it from his brain. <laughs> it's the weed, baby. It's the weed. Uh, let's me. Let's me totally experience. I'm almost like I'm. I think in like two more months, I won't remember anything else about Breaking Bad. I can just give it a full rewatch. Oh, that's gonna be so tight. <laughs> Damn. But what? What? Uh, how was he orphaned? They don't I mean, know. I, I like to imagine it was like. I like to imagine it was like. I just sent you the where... story that's like an official thing that they they put out. But I'm reading on Insider. This is from the book because Chuck E was an orphan. No one knew his birthday, like when his birthday was, so he never had a birthday party of his own. And this made right. Chuck E so mad. Like every so day that's of why his he life, lived like for it's... birthdays. So he's like yeah. a like a tragic Peter Pan character. Yeah, I guess. Isn't that what Michael Jackson did? Like, isn't that his whole point of his whole house was like, <laughs> like I never, had, I never was a kid, so I'm just gonna like have like a child's dream. I, I didn't, I didn't watch the documentary, so I don't, I don't know. But isn't that what happened? 
He munched a lot of is, juniors too. Is Chuck E. Cheese just an allegory for No. <laughs> for no, Michael probably Jackson. not. Oh, no. Because timelines don't line up, but you know, it's something but, to think but about. Hey, hey Adam, I like yeah. you posing the hard questions to the viewer. Can I <laughs> is just this just an allegory? And also the audience <laughs> cannot see what is happening, but Joshua appears to be melting down. No, I'm just reading his backstory. (laughs) He lived above the fucking Italian chef's pizzeria and would smell the pizza, and then he'd play music, and the the chef loved the music, so they went into business together. (laughs) (laughs) Now, is that Pasquale? Yeah, that's Pasquale. Oh, that's how they met. So Pasquale Pasquale predates Chuck E. Cheese. He's been around. If anything, every Chuck E. Cheese is just the Pasquales in disguise. (laughs) Which justifies what Mitch was talking about. Pasquale Damn. was actually trying to now take his brand back. Like he, you know, Chucky took him out, got him exposure. Now he's trying to let the world know, hey, this pizza comes from me. I you think the, Pasquale. The of- you think there's like little things in the business deal that Pasquale like really started to like feel slighted. He's like, you know, you don't, Chucky, you haven't printed me on a single token. <laughs> now, all the tokens, they got Chucky's face. <laughs> So wait, so did he choose his middle name to be Entertainment, or his parents named him that before they died? <laughs> it's got to be a name he picked. It has to All be. All right, now like, I kind of just want to write like a Lego movie type movie about the, the Chuck E. Cheese universe. What was his birth name? I want to write a Dark Knight like movie about the Well, Chuck also, I mean, we went over this on the podcast a few episodes ago, but uh, if you ever want to, just look up all the names for Goofy. It's wild because I was like, wait, is his name Goofy Goofy like Goofy Goof? Because Max's name is Max Goof. So I was like, is this character's name fucking Goofy Goof? And then it's not. His name was like fucking Goofus D Dog, I think. Goofus D Dog. So why does the son have his first name? Right. There's a lot of fucking. (laughs) And then how does Pluto exist? (laughs) Well, that's that's more of an ethical situation. (laughs) Wait, was Minnie Mouse's last name something else before she married Mickey? Are they married? Are they married? I feel like are they brother no. or are they brother sister? No, 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 they're, don't know. they're definitely romantically lover. involved. But the, any uh, Minnie has her own house, and any time, like in like some of the uh, like older cartoons, you see them together. She like goes over to his house, and they like go out on a picnic or something. So they have the same last yeah. Seemingly, they've they're been in like the dating. early. Well, no, they're related, but they've been in the early stages <laughs> of dating for about fifty or sixty years. Right, so but you're related. <laughs> yeah, your theory, Mitch, is that they are related at some point. They're just going to come out and Disney's going to be like, yeah, well, no. I they're mean, they've mice. They've been for 60 years. They're, they're mice. What? <laughs> yeah. Mice be doing that. Mice be eating their babies and shit. Like, they'll, I, they'll date their cousin. Mice be eating their babies. They be eating each other out. They don't care, bro. <laughs> Okay, so that article ended with uh, the Chuck E. Cheese spokesperson just trying to explain how Pasquale's pizza has better ingredients, and they might bring it to Chuck E. Cheese eventually. They yeah, better ingredients, better pizza. Chuck E. Cheese Pasquale <laughs> be making those pizzas. So now, half an hour in, we reach the meat of our. Of what if? Our what if? What if this is what Papa John was talking about when no, he was like the oh, no. You don't know. I've seen the day of reckoning. The truth will come out. 
it was this. He's like, I've ordered 30. Pe- Wait, how many restaurants did they say? Because 30 pizza, 40 pizzas in 30 days. What if he was ordering from each one of them and he was verifying? <laughs> <laughs> Only the Pasquales in West Philly passed his test. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, now this is this is the this is where we begin. Oh boy. Ilya Kershinovsky was born in 1975 in the Soviet Union in Moscow. He's the son of uh, one of Russia's like most influential animation directors, Andrei Kershinovsky. Uh, and his mother, Maria Neyman, is uh, an editor and script doctor. She's very highly respected. His parents are like Russia's film elite. That's cool. Okay. Uh, Ilya was educated at the Bonn Academy of Fine Arts from 1992 to 93 and the All-Russian State Institute of Cinematography in 1998, which uh, is the oldest film school in the world. It was founded in, uh, I think, uh, 1919. We've been teaching how to make propaganda longer than Mm -hmm. anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, do they predate the, the camera? The film camera? No. I think it came out like a, a cinematography. Didn't you Cinema. go to film school? Yeah, I don't remember what year the camera came out. I thought it was like before 1919. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was definitely before that. Like, I don't you remember. Say, like, it's why I don't fact, remember. I've been researching this and I don't know. I, I don't remember what year the guy made took the video of the horse running. Oh, Edward Moybridge was like fucking 1870 something. Boy. Fuck? <laughs> Dude, I fuck with that horse. I thought that love was that a, horse. It was, a, uh, I love that horse. It was what that device was called. <laughs> that was our whole first semester at school was just that yeah. horse. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> what was his name? Edward. Edward, not Edward. Edward, Edward. Moybridge. Edward Moybridge. That's my my next D&D character, dude. That's a great (laughs) name. Edward. Krishnovsky's directorial debut was uh, a production of That Which I Feel. I I don't know. I tried to find out what this is. I think it's a Russian play of some kind. But uh, he did this in 1997. I guess this was before film school. Uh, And he... uh, Now, what year did films... 1997 is that before the camera was invented? (laughs) 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 Uh, And in 1998, he directed, co-directed a short film called Stop. I didn't, I didn't care to look up that one. Uh, (laughs) Depending on where this story goes, because I have no idea, um, I might really get into this short film. (laughs) I watched this a few times. (laughs) Uh, between 1998 and 2002 uh, Ilya worked as a director and producer in commercial advertising and he was also responsible uh, as the producer of a Russian TNT channel TV project so like it was uh, it was called the list of lovers of the Russian Federation it was just a series uh, by leading Russian movie directors they would they would just have on a, a Russian director and show a film I think maybe talk to them and it was on Russian TNT. It would be hilarious if it like wasn't a Russian film though. So it's just all these like Russian filmmakers being like, "Yes, Finding Nemo, very good film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Finding Dory, uh, not so good." Uh. 
In 2004, Ilya released his feature-length directorial debut. It was called Four, just like just the number. Mm. I haven't seen the first three, so I probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm a stickler for. Order. I was genius. It's just it's just one of the. <laughs> <laughs> what if you made a movie and the title was just one entry in the space bar? <laughs> it's just like a How are you supposed to find it? <laughs> <laughs> How are you supposed to talk about it? What well, do you I pronounce it as? Last night. <laughs> so, four. Okay, four. sorry. Uh <laughs> It's it's just like an art house movie about three people who meet in a bar and lie about their lives. It's actually I started watching some of it and it's it's not bad. It's fun. It's it seems like it's it's a pretty good movie. He's definitely like not a bad director at all. Um okay. it was very, very well received. Oh, uh you got like, your your mic back on the on the video chat. It was very well received. <laughs> <laughs> okay so so he made four and it got it got some good four more like 10 it got uh it won awards at the rotterdam international film festival the buenos aires international film festival the seattle international film festival the transylvania international film festival the athens international film festival you love you love to see a crossover hit in seattle and transylvania <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know it's certified fresh if it's put in both places. Yeah, it's a, it's a real four quadrant that right there. <laughs> now, because of uh, how much success he had with four, it like pretty quickly became a cult hit. Like everybody was all about it, and everybody was talking about him. So in 2005, he began work on a biopic about the Russian theoretical physicist Lev Landau. The film would be titled Dow. So D-A-U. <laughs> so the Dow. guy's last name was Landau and he just made it Dow? Yes. Like Topher Grace. <laughs> it's like, if I was going to be like, I'm making a, uh, a biopic about Jesse the Body Ventura. It's going to be called Tura. <laughs> <laughs> now, Lev Landau was a, a Soviet uh, physicist. He won the Nobel Prize in 1962 before passing away in uh, 1968. And he uh, had uh, an open marriage that he was kind of a prick about. Like, he was kind of a huge prick about it. Like... Wait, like he was condescending about it? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, he well, was, uh, yeah. actually, my wife uh, fucks other dudes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when Ilya read about Landau, he was like, oh, fuck, I, I have to make this movie. Um, before reading about uh why? He's, a, he's a scientist who's had sex before is that why he's like this story must be told <laughs> <laughs> before reading about uh landau Ilya didn't know much about uh physics at all but the story with its uh rich currents of uh sex genius and doom uh, mesmerized him 
He promptly formed a production company with the express purpose of bringing Landau's life to the screen. Around the same time uh, that he started doing this was when uh, Four started gaining all this attention. So um, based on that success, Ilya negotiated for total control on Dow from the backers. His contract uh, was with the the Russian and European producers. It was it was kind of a hodgepodge. One of his main backers being a Russian telecommunications near billionaire, um, who doesn't can't find that he did anything, but he's referred to as an oligarch a lot, and that never that never seems like it's a good thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, name so. one time it's been well, good. That, I was burning your, so name your oligarch three, doesn't sound like a good thing. Name your top three favorite oligarchs. I'll start. Okay, uh, <laughs> it's gonna be hard. So Ilya's contract with the producers gave him final cut, no deadline, and the ability to fire anyone without explanation. Love it. Love hey, it. what every creative should have. <laughs> so I wasn't able to find much about the uh, the early stages of production, but I guess they got pretty far. They got about a year in, and they they started can, can shooting. I just say, can I just say real quick? Imagine being this dude's fucking manager. Like you, you're repping this like indie director. He actually made a movie that's like winning festivals. He's got some heat. He's, you're like, all right, dude, what have you got next? And he's like, well, actually, do you know about this scientist who's really condescending about threesomes? <laughs> <laughs> It's a crime. This story has escaped the mainstream eye. So in 2006, they were a year into production. They were uh, filming in St. Petersburg. And Ilya was struck with a revelation. He would later be quoted as saying, I understood that everything I created was bullshit, and I immediately had to stop and change everything. It was a Dostoyevskian moment. Cool. Just blowing yeah. himself in an in, in Dude, <laughs> Russians are so dramatic. <laughs> Russians are so dramatic. So he started to kind of veer off from the biopic. Uh, which they had gotten a, a Russian, a dystopian he's, Russian he's novelist. Like, I realized he's like I realized everything. I was focusing on a scientist who loved threesomes. I needed to make <laughs> movies that were just threesomes. <laughs> <laughs> he just starts filming. He just starts on OnlyFans. <laughs> he's like everything else I've ever made was shit. <laughs> this is truth. Guys, uh, please subscribe. So he he spoke to the the film's main backer Sergei Adonyev, the oligarch, uh, and got seemingly just like all the money he wanted. And he began to dream big, so big that uh, he moved the production to Kharkov, Ukraine, and began renovating a building roughly the size of two football fields that used to house a public pool. Okay, <laughs> like they tore it up like they gutted the interior they rebuilt a whole new warehouse on top of it and inside this new warehouse he built a, a, a full replica of a top secret soviet research facility which would be referred to only as the institute 
surrounding the institute, still inside the warehouse, was uh, what, as far as I can tell, was a, a basically fully functioning Soviet city that started off in 1938. Ilya wanted a space where uh, he could elicit the needed emotions from his cast in controlled conditions 24 hours a day. The set would be a panopticon. Microphones would hide in lighting fixtures, as they would in the USSR, allowing Kershinovsky to shoot with multiple film cameras from practically anywhere through windows, skylights, and two-way mirrors. Oh, my God. Okay. That's so just too many cameras. <clears throat> Sorry, so I'm he's having gonna, a he's, So, yeah, he's going off the deep end. He's trying to, like, big brother these people. He's paranoid as fuck. Yeah, he's. This is the thing: is like he's barely started the production, and he's already doing like the the fifth act. Like Marlon Brando has his shirt off in the jungle and is like refusing (laughs) to film with his pants on, like (laughs) full mental breakdown thing. Now, since he had he had perfectly replicated his city during this shoot, historical authenticity was paramount, down to the last detail. Uh, food was labeled with 1950s expiration dates and also like they found like weird ass Soviet era tins in food. Um, underwear, cutlery and sanitary products were sourced to match those of the time. Ooh, sanitary products. That's the first time I've actually read that one. So they, <laughs> they, they were using like, like, like no tampons, like, like 1930s. Yeah. 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 You had like a rabbit's foot. <laughs> Is that how they did it? I don't know. Can we fact check that one? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, we're just going to, let's plow ahead. We're, we're keeping that one. That one stays. Um, now, the toilet pipes in the Institute uh, were modified to ensure that the flush sounded era appropriate. Uh, Ilya would say that the toilet pipe is a custom width because it makes a difference in the volume and the tenor of the flushing sound. I would have given anything to have been in the room when he's like telling the money guy how the money got spent. Like he's telling that oligarch. He's like, well, you see, actually, the size of the two (laughs) (laughs) comes into play a lot more than you'd think. It wouldn't, it wouldn't really matter if there weren't so many scenes in this movie of people flushing their giant shits. Yeah. Really, it's in. It's how every scene begins, and we really need that resonance. It's gonna really pop the actors out. Now that he had his city, 1938, down to every last detail, it was, it was time to cast. And I mean, if if we're creating realism, you know, it's not real extras. No, instead, we'll have a team of photographers roam the streets of three cities looking for fresh faces. These efforts resulted in a database of 210,000 candidates. Now, that was uh, uh, actually a lower number than the final count, which uh, comes out to about 400,000 candidates total, um, just for the, the whole project. And... Uh, they started hey, processing extras. Fucking, fucking quit it. <laughs> someone someone needs to fuck? come and... Someone needs to beat this nerd up, dude. 
does this nerd think he is? So at any given time, there's about, uh, I guess, like three to four hundred extras living 24 hours on set as though they are a member of the USSR serving whatever role they are supposed to serve. And again, you know, extras weren't enough. He needed realism. So for the cafeteria workers in the Institute, they had to be real life uh, waiters and waitresses for the, um, the Soviet guards that would guard the, the, the city and the Institute. Uh, Of course it had to be real life ex KGB agents. Only yeah, the ones most dishonorably discharged. You know, we only take the ones. Imagine how how fucking awful you have to be to be former KGB. <laughs> First of all, how'd you get out? Second yeah. of all, <laughs> dude, you got let go from the KGB. <laughs> like they just stopped scheduling you. What happened? <laughs> Imagine them finding you so horrible to work with. The rest of the KGB's like, I can't work another shift with fucking Alex again. That dude's fucking... Dude, his fingernails, they're disgusting. (laughs) He smells bad. No sense of humor. I can't can't do this with Alex anymore, man. He's a psychic vampire. He's awful to be around. Uh, Now, for the lead role of Lev Landau... He had one stipulation that regardless of discipline, the role must be played by an actual genius. He was quoted as saying, I I needed people who would have those energy levels. Geniuses to play geniuses, the powerful to play the powerful. All geniuses are foreigners. So so his his concept is acting doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. He wound up casting a a man named uh, Theodore Corrientes. He's a a Greek conductor. Um, And when asked, uh, you know, about the fact that his lead actor didn't really, like, know Russian at all um, when he was supposed to play a Russian physicist, he, he just said, all geniuses are foreigners. So it's perfect. So, wait. Well, everyone's a foreigner to somebody, I guess, with that Well, I think it's squares and rectangles, right? You know, not every foreigner is a genius, but every genius is a foreigner. Does that mean that there's no fo- no geniuses in Russia? <laughs> well, but he's to make but you he's like, a, a Russian genius, but he's like, he's a foreigner. According to this, you are yeah, going to get caught in a, like, a loop of thought if you try to make sense of this, <laughs> this like... Bastard yeah, fucking logic. Adam, your dude. nose is bleeding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> With this level of realism that he's going for, though, he is getting dangerously close to the threesomes are full penetration threesomes. Oh, I like, don't think we're there. I think you're ahead on us. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh boy. The only real actor uh, who would be cast in the entire film is uh, Radmila I had a lot of names to pronounce, guys. Radmila Shikolov-Leva, who plays Landau's wife. Um, so before uh, shooting began, obviously, you know, if he's going to uh, decide that he's going to take a real actor, 
well, then they can't be acting. So before shooting began, she would spend a full year working at a chocolate factory and a hospital. And according to at least one report, living in a communal apartment, uh, just as the uh, real life uh, Cora Landau's wife had done. That's also called just being an actor who's not getting booked. (laughs) To prepare for this role, she got a day job and a roommate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, anyone uh, entering the set uh, during... During all of this, even visiting journalists uh, were required to not only wear era-appropriate clothing, but oftentimes would have their hair cut and restyled before they were allowed to enter the set. Uh, While on set, you were also required to use era-appropriate words, or you would be fined by the Soviet guards. Everyone, including Ilya, was subject to these policies. Um, there was a, an interaction between, and I uh, should have already listed my sources, but between uh, one of the writers for GQ, Michael Idov, and Ilya, where uh, uh, Michael was asking if they were going to replace everything with CGI later, and Ilya said, don't let the guards hear you. We'll be fined. Um, and Michael goes, for saying CGI, and he was like, no, it would be twice. Now they'd find us twice. Uh, the fine system was uh, uh, something that Kershinovsky decided to use because he was fed up with staffers smuggling cell phones in and talking about Facebook. So he made it so that Soviet guards could just find people whenever they wanted. Yeah, sorry, I thought this was in the 90s again. This was what year? This began in 2006. And also Jesus for Christ. the money, because they were, it was. <laughs> 1938 in their world. So for the money, they had printed their own rubles, which they would give to cast members for doing their their quote-unquote jobs on set, be it, you know, sweeping. There was, uh, in Michael Idov's article, uh, an instance of someone just sweeping the same patch of dirt three days in a row. Um, and there were also stories of older cast members who had been alive during the USSR smuggling in real rubles and being reprimanded for using uh, fake currency. Because real rubles in what? this world were fake, and fake rubles are real. <laughs> oh this is, God. wow. This, uh... <clears throat> I'll say this much. This is the most <laughs> elaborate way I've ever heard of anybody making porn. No, this is like, this sounds exactly like the same show as Kid Nation. If I'm being oh, <laughs> we love <laughs> Kid Nation. I love <laughs> Kid Nation. <laughs> just, Stan, they give them Kid. fake jobs and fake money. And okay, <laughs> the kid. So for anyone who doesn't know, I think we talked about the podcast before. Oh, Kid Nation it. is a reality show where they had a bunch of kids um just be a town and there's no parents and it's just bedlam now i looked up an article apparently they were just fingering each other like crazy yes it was really so much horrible shit going on there too these kids were just hooking up like the older ones are hooking up like wild. i love that one little eight-year-old kid though who like quits early on and he's just like i'm i'm not cut out for this i'm (laughs) (laughs) 
Dude, that show is awesome. It's like you can choose between food for a week or a PS2. And they're like, oh, fuck. I don't know, man. No, but they get the PS2 and then they're like, oh, wait, we don't have a TV. (laughs) (laughs) Always. It's always like, yeah. It's either like firewood or Legos for an hour. You know, uh, you know, the host of that show, Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, I worked for him like a year and a half ago on like a three month job. Really? And, uh, <laughs> the whole time he gave me, like, anytime he talked to me, all I could think of was like, you're the fucking kid nation, dude. And it's like, don't <laughs> just tell me to do something. You'd be like, all right, blue team, your task today. I'm like, that's how I want you to talk to me. <laughs> Adam squad. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Now, what, what's great about that show, though, is it was long enough ago that now any kid on that show, you could Google and figure out where they are now. Ooh. And there's some, that's a fun, that's a fun little uh, experiment. Yeah. I know a bunch of them do AMAs every now and, that, and again, you can uh, check out. A bunch of them probably do opiates, too. <laughs> Oi. Like a wolf. <laughs> Choke of the pot. Oh no. Um, now, uh, because of the the fine system being set up, it uh, it encouraged it encouraged a culture of snitching on each other for doing anything wrong. Like, uh, uh, if you were, I don't even understand what. I don't know if this is just like the translation for it, but they started, they would talk about Google, but they would say Pravda. That was like one of their code words. They started coming up with like code words to be able to talk about real world shit on set. And then they would get snitched on for that to the Soviet guards. Um, and Ilya loved it. Extras. <laughs> right? <laughs> This is amazing that you put if you just you just hollow out a big empty pool and you fill it with Russians, they will create Russia again. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Um the artists uh, Marina Marina Abramovic and Karsten Haller would would just like have cameos in the films. Uh, uh, Abramovic played a, a visiting anatomy professor in the year 1956. Um, they had real neuroscientists playing um, scientists. They had they had everybody. Um, I hope it's a cameo. Like like I hope I love a cameo in a movie where it hangs on the actor for a little too long because they want you to be like it's john malkovich you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) but what's even better is now in in like current movies like in like marvel movies when they'll have a moment that they know in the theater is gonna get like yeah so they let it like be a little bit longer than it probably should be in the edit like in Endgame, the shot when Spider-Man stands up is like a seven-second shot of Spider-Man for no reason, <laughs> other than they know people are going to be screaming in the theater. <laughs> um, so on on the film, there uh, there wasn't a script. There was there was never a script. Bullshit. There was well, never all, ever a script. Hire God to write it. 
True. So, so you would have to you would have to fly to space and fight God, and that's hard. Well, and also God would have to uh, spend a year working in a chocolate factory before he could write the script. God has to. God has to go on Zillow and find a roommate. <laughs> Um, there were no rehearsals or reshoots. Um, and a, a cinematographer who was a part of it, uh, Jürgen Jürgs, compared the... That's his name. He sounds like, he sounds like a member of, the, uh, of the, the Pizza Time Band or whatever. <laughs> uh, he compared uh, the, the filming process to making a documentary. Because at this point, as soon as he had it filled with his actors and his extras, the most that they would do is every now and then when filming, they would uh, sort of suggest things, you know, they would they would suggest improvisation and then let the the actors who none of them were actors uh, play everything out. So. Uh, basically nothing in the film is simulated. People on set would live their lives. They would uh, have relationships with each other. They would fall in love. And this would um, not always be captured on camera. There were even crew members who uh, one um, met his wife while, while working on it. Now, it started this whole process in 2006 of filling the set with extras. Filming... Like actual filming would begin in, um, let's see, 2015. It was 2009 <laughs> that filming began. Oh my, oh my god! So for three that's, years, that's insane. Ilya produced the most intensive surrealist role play to have ever existed. All the while encouraging residents to snitch on each other, partake in uh, relationships. People literally had time to like, people had fucking babies. Like, like the crew member who met his wife had his, like they were, they met on set and had their baby while they were still working on the movie. Filming began in 2009 and ended in 2011. Appropriate nipple. (laughs) Do you, okay, here's here's my thing though, right? <clears throat> so these people like didn't have lives to go back to, like they just didn't. Well, like, you when ones, there's not a whole lot of people who were like a part of it that have spoken out, but there are people who were a part of it and left. But anyone, when you like read what they have to say about it, it sort of comes across as a surviving cult member like someone who survived a cult and the people who are still kind of a part of it and on board with it sound like active cult members Ilya created this strange dynamic on set with everyone viewing him and also because of his interview process which is one of the next things we're going to get into he kind of only let people on board who were going to view him as the genius who was making this righteous and wonderful thing so most of these people yes were willing to give up their lives for this shoot that's amazing last question did he pay people yeah, with the fake rubles. Oh, wait, you're talking about in real rubles. Afterwards. Yeah, like in real life. Are these people like signing up for this knowing like, okay, well, I'm going to get like money or is <clears throat> is this the most elaborate internship of all time is what I'm getting at? It's 
unclear because he <laughs> this has is kept, the most elaborate internship of all time. Yeah, he has kept the the books so close to his chest that there is no actual known estimate of the budget. Well, there's an estimate, but there's no actual number known of how much the film cost or where like the Avatar. money went. It's estimated that it cost $70 million. That's but he has absolutely nothing to prove that. Yeah, I would I would assume that Paying crew for three years would cost more than that, but I don't. I, I oh no, no, no! Three years is how long they filmed. They started in 2006 and continued to 2011. So for six years they did this, and only three of those years were filming. Oh my god! I mean, I've heard of a lot of downtime between takes. <laughs> 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 like evil boyhood it's like just the <laughs> it's forever to think. It's like watch this child grow up in tyranny it's like this is not at all i want it it's not relatable to my experience like i oh, remember when you were a kid and it was summer and you couldn't go outside because you were in a warehouse with your mom who's afraid to talk to dad ah. <laughs> dad speaking in code I love the idea of evil boyhood, though. Like this, this director should get to do a movie, right? Where they just turn a kid into Hitler. With this, with this level of commitment, right? You raise the next dictator by like controlling every moment of his life in like a Truman Show situation. Yeah, what could go wrong? What could go? Hey. Hey. So it could go wrong. What happens to these like five year old kids that are like growing up on this set and then the don't they know leave the and they're like, the children what? that are born on the set? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. They think it's like well, 1938. They're, they're technically props that belong to the movie. So do seasons pass in this? So to like, or is it 1938 forever? Like, is it, no, does it become uh, 1939? It's perpetually. June. In 2006, it was 1938, and as far as I can tell, it seems like uh, 2006 to 2009 might have been all 1938, and then between between uh, 2009 and 2011, as they were filming, it would transition forward to 1968. Uh, so it would kind of go through time from 1938 to 1968, and everything That's the a big set. Shift. The set extras everybody had to be like uh redressed were some people i don't know if some actors were replaced if some actors 19, had uh, like prosthetics that predates on. the camera <laughs> <laughs> love that horse yeah dude that that horse see would not have gotten a role too much of an actor too much previous experience being on camera that horse is technically the first actor (laughs) now uh like he he continued this for so long like people lost themselves in it and I watched a little bit of one of the films, which they wound up with 700 hours of footage, which that's all what was originally supposed to be one film has now uh, ballooned into uh, 13 films, an interactive experience um, and some more shit that we'll, we'll get through too. Um, but interactive experience was like colonial Williamsburg, but it's fucking 
and you have no freedom? What does that mean? Uh, more <laughs> yeah. just for, well, it's more for the uh, the viewing of the film, kind of like a like it was. Yeah, just te- a, technically, prison is an interactive experience. <laughs> <laughs> technically, being shot by a cop is an interactive experience. Now, there's uh, been complaints about the project's working conditions since the beginning it's no like we've talked about all the fun stuff and i know it's been (laughs) also horrifying but like there's also more like horrifying shit um so uh i do do love i do love that like i hope one day we do cover that movie roar uh about like the the production with all the giant cats this is somehow this is somehow worse because you're like creating so much more here. Like the other one is like just crazy on its top. You're like, Oh yeah, well there's giant cats loose on a film set. Probably not a great idea. Not the best idea, but this is like sinister in a different way where it's like, they took like three years to iron out all the details and everyone is like, no, this is perfectly sane. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very reasonable way to film a movie. Um, when the GQ writer Michael Idaw visited the set in 2011, he went there because he had heard that the environment was uh, that of a survivalist camp. Uh, his article uh, in GQ called The Film Set That Ate Itself is uh, really great. Um, and uh, in it, participants tell him about how they thought that their apartments, which were on set, all of the, uh, you know, uh, faces of the apartment buildings and houses you could go into and they all had functioning toilets and and were complexes uh so everyone who lived there was uh constantly afraid that there were hidden cameras filming them at all times Uh, kershanovsky claims that he he did install hidden cameras but that he never activated them and never forced anyone to do anything against their will well yeah i mean sure i was yeah i mean they were I mean, technically, they're always on, but, like, I wasn't, like... <laughs> I didn't hit record. I mean, technically, it was recording, but I didn't hit the but button. But I didn't, I didn't hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, because the thing is, is he definitely did, because in that same article, um, at some <laughs> point, he takes uh, Michael to his uh, his editing bay, which is accessible only through a staircase in his office that goes, like, underneath the complex a little bit. And uh, he has a, 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 a caged dog in there. There's not too many details about that, but sounds spooky. Um, it's my, my editing dog. <laughs> um, and he just has like a whole like cameras, like video set up in there where he edits. He's got to have like a little, a little switch. He can, he can flip to see everything. Um, yeah, it's it's received a fair amount of uh uh flack for things like uh it, it was banned in uh um, Russia uh, or the Ukraine as a uh, propaganda of pornography due to the fact that none of these sex scenes sex scenes in the film are simulated. They are they are real people um inserting themselves into each other. <clears throat> no, what sucks <laughs> when you start to watch this your kink uh, becomes a <laughs> highly realistic 1938 replica. 
you then need that to come. <laughs> you can't come to anything that's not like like you're, you're you're like trying to come to normal porn and you're like, ugh, look at these expiration dates. <laughs> <laughs> it's also received uh, um, a fair amount of hate for the fact that uh, in one of the films, the the last one, which is uh, six hours long, called Dow Degeneration. And I got to say, I, I did rent this one and I started just kind of like skimming through it before this. And um, it's enthralling. I got to say, I was sucked into every second of it. <laughs> it's okay, received so, pretty good reviews. So I have a question. I have a question. These are all still called like Dow and then <laughs> subtitle because they're yes. not about him. These people don't have information about real. But they people take place in the Dow universe, and actually, Degeneration is about the uh, um, uh, an ex, a real life ex KGB general who plays uh, a Soviet guard and the director of the research facility which Landau spent uh, a fair amount of his life in, the Institute. Uh, so like they are kind of, one of them is called Dow Natasha. And that's just about the, uh, woman who worked in the cafeteria in the Institute because they thought she was, uh, really fascinating. And they have, that one has received a fair amount of flack. There has been no, um, confirmation from the actor herself, uh, about what, and again, not a real actor. She was a waitress who became, uh, an actor for this film. Um, there's a scene where the KGB agent, who is the star of Degeneration, which is set 15 years after Natasha. Sorry, it's got a lot of fucking lore. Oh my um, god. Uh, where uh, Natasha, the titular star of Dow Natasha, um, is uh, involved in something that has just now been referred to as the bottle scene. And it's mm. claimed to be simulated, but I have read that it does not appear to be simulated. And the actor has not said anything about it yet. Oh, God. So very, very terrible conditions were made on this set. So terrible that when uh, in Degeneration, the uh, uh, right-wing extremists are meant to destroy the Institute, he decided to hire uh, real neo-Nazis who are at this current point in time serving a decade-long sentence in Moscow. Pretty tight, pretty tight. So they got to be almost out, right? Uh, I, I, I think he's maybe like somewhere in the middle of it. Now that that neo Nazi is re- his real name, well, not his real name. His real Nazi name is Tessak, which is Russian for the Cleaver, which sounds scary. Sounds real scary. This this is this whole project has been terrifying. Um, and it's, it's almost irresponsible to not mention, uh, that, uh, very recently, like this year, that same film degeneration with the neo-Nazis in it has come under investigation in, uh, in Kharkov, uh, for allegations of torture of children, because there are, uh, experiments in the film that do not appear to be simulated. Ugh. And they apparently just went and picked up orphans. They just showed up at an orphanage and an orphanage and were like, Hey, we need some of your orphans. One of those orphans, Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) (laughs) 
fucking he, just, he had to escape oh, the horrors. I gotta create an environment of love and music and pizza. I can't go back. Love, light, pizza. He got a little apartment. He started smelling something downstairs, and the rest <laughs> was history. Goddamn. Oh my god, oh. I'm I'm watching a scene from the movie from Natasha right now. Um <clears throat> it's actually incredibly good. Like it looks beautiful. It's really like it's it's, really it's upsettingly well good like, the thing. Is that like he's a monster, good. but boy is it wow. Like it looks pretty impressive. Like the performances look I mean, I've really seen natural. Four movies that I can buy on the website. Yeah, no, most of uh, a fair amount of them are 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 starting to be released uh for streaming now. Mm-hmm. I you should probably pirate it. I feel like this is the the right one to pirate like morally. Yeah, morally it's all right to steal this movie. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I would download a car. 100% would I download a car. <laughs> <laughs> Also, do you have any? I, what I always say about that is like, do you have any idea how much downloading a car would help poor people? <laughs> <laughs> do you have any idea? Now, uh, spokespeople for the for the production company that that he made for the film and. Uh, Ilya himself have all said that no children were harmed and that all actors involved were in conditions where they could have said stop at any moment, but they fucking weren't. They fucking, they, they were literally in Soviet Russia. (laughs) So like, it's fucking crazy. Now. Wait, Mitch, this is a quick question for you. Do you do you think okay, cuz guys, we covered an episode recently on the pod about this Japanese reality show that uh told a comedian, basically forced a comedian to stay in a like a one bedroom studio and he couldn't leave until he won enough sweepstakes to get enough money to get out. Oh. And he like had no entertainment, no food, like literally was like starving and going crazy like in a little room. They kept him there for like a year. Um, Mitch, do you think this is worse or or better than what they did to that guy? I feel like, given the scale of this one, like this is this is exponentially worse. Like these, this is real life Westworld. Oh yeah. my God, you're right. Yeah, that's what it is. Just instead of instead of robots, you just got people who he just took people off the street. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and put them in a 1930s or 1950s, 60s Soviet internment camp <laughs> in a I mean, pool. I was, I was actually fine with most of this until it got to them having like kids in there. Like not like having kids, but like there were children like being experimented. That on was the part that blew me away too, because as I was researching this, like I had all the articles I found were just about like the absurd, like kind of funny shit. And then when I started like really trying to dig into it, like when I read something about how the sex was unsimulated, like that it was real sex, I was like, yeah, okay, sure. And then when I read something about a scene with babies being experimented on in my head, I was like, well, those were fake babies. <laughs> They're not using real babies. I get you want to have realism, but you can't do that with kids. And then I found the uh, the article 
about the allegations of abuse. And I was I like fucking blown away that they used real, just even that they used real children, not even if they're going to try to say the experiments were fake fucking what use CGI or a doll or some shit. I don't know. Well, you can't, you can't say the word CGI, so it'd be hard to film that scene. But um. <laughs> Yeah, fucking the guy in a mocap suit in 1938. I have Andy Serkis. The director's just like, it works because all babies are foreign. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's, it's crazy to me that I mean, Mitch, as a child actor, <laughs> as, a, as a former child actor, what would you have done? You know, the cameras are rolling. Your parents are like part of this production, presumably, you know, like they probably got entire families for the realism of it, you know? Right. Um, your fam- your your parents, like, you know, maybe maybe your mom's really into acting. She doesn't get a lot of gigs, you know, this is a big, she landed a big one. Right. Are you, totally. Are you gonna- let them put the you know the car battery to your to your to your your nipples or what like i don't i don't what like what what were they doing first of all like what was the simulated experiments okay well yes i guess we do actually um uh, the footage shows babies lying in cages i i don't know the ages but i do know that at least one of them was uh down syndrome uh Yikes. The footage shows shows babies lying in cages before being taken out in order to be experimented on. They are undressed, strapped down, and fitted with receptor helmets. Some of them are crying. The babies used in the scene were taken from Ukrainian orphanages. Okay, so these aren't families. These are fucking orphans. So, yeah. Jesus Christ. This is a, uh, a comedy podcast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that's it's what you guys are supposed to do. I, I, oh, I, I, I oh, how hilarious LOL orphan <laughs> experiments. Oh, oh man, that's the that's the title of the episode. Uh, LOL. LOL. Feel good podcast in the middle of a that's a fucking that's a fucking great steam name. So the. Shooting like I guess fully came to a close in 2012. I, I think even after like the 2009 to 2011 filming, they still had the place running for a little bit, doing something. Not sure. But after then, you told me the Russians wanted to stop babies, it's the most American feeling I've ever had. Where I'm like, we have to stop them. <laughs> <laughs> we have to go in there and we need to shut them down. And we need our boys. We need our boys in blue to march in there and take them down. (laughs) Oh, guys, go kill cops. (laughs) So after after filming wrapped, they would uh, edit the film for six years. If you look it up, there are 14 editors listed uh, who sifted through the 700 hours of footage to finally find all of these films in there. Hey, so we didn't slate anything uh, also, because you know they didn't. So like, imagine getting 700 hours of oh my God. unslated, uncategorized footage. <laughs> From 12,000 different cameras. Yeah, yeah. 
as far as I, I don't think they had too many cameras running at once. I couldn't tell uh, about that too much, but a lot of the shots seemed like it was only one cinematographer holding the camera. Yeah, what I watched, a lot of the scenes look like it's one guy with a steady cam, so it's almost like you're standing in the room, like looking in b- between the conversation. I mean, I only watched like two scenes just now from the movie, but and if wearing a steady cam for that long, that dude is in a wheelchair now, like yeah, permanently. Sure. He's, he's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so last year, they decided it was finally time to show it to the world. It was time for the world to see Dow. Or not Dow, but all of its uh, uh, lesser films, as the actual uh, uh, Dow will not be released until probably next year, uh, receiving a cinematic release, as it's the most important. But they started releasing uh, Dow Natasha and Dow Degeneration, touring it around to festivals. And it was met with both uh, criticism for all of the awful fucking things that happened on set, but then also people were like, it's pretty real. <laughs> it's pretty real give it to movie critics to like let a guy make himself an evil dictator and they're all like not bad though (laughs) 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 you're just saying that you're like they tortured babies in cages and they're like you're like yeah real babies (laughs) (laughs) like a shrug (laughs) Now, the, the debut was initially planned for uh, September of uh, 2019. It was supposed to open in Berlin. Um, that was dude, intended. This, should have directed, this guy should have directed Sonic the Hedgehog because he would have just created a very fast <laughs> hedgehog. <laughs> that could talk he kills himself when they call for a character redesign. Yeah, he fucking, here's your redesign. <laughs> so, Berlin was supposed to be the first of a three-city tour, first stop on a three-city tour. It would then go to uh, Paris and London. But weeks before the Berlin premiere, it was canceled uh, because city administrators had to reject Ilya's proposal that he had apparently... Uh, well, uh, had his backer invest millions into already and spend years negotiating. Now, for Ilya to premiere Dow in Berlin, he had to be able to construct a one and a half mile long concrete wall surrounding the event, right about in the same location that no the Berlin Wall. He made the Berlin Wall. He, he made the Berlin Wall. He yeah, tried very hard. Oh, you didn't hear it? These reboots are yeah, out of hand. Made it. I think they might have made it, but like Berlin said, what the fuck? No. <laughs> um, one of the uh, council members was quoted as saying something along the lines of, uh, we don't want to repeat one of the darkest parts of our <laughs> history. No. What, what the fuck? Why would we do that? It been because it will be so real if you do it. That's why you got. And so the wall, the wall <laughs> would have really encircled. Have the wall would have encircled the event until its final night. Um, 
the which would be the anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall when they would tear down the wall. Oh my god. He tried to completely recreate the Berlin Wall. So they told him he couldn't do it and he said then I won't show it there. We're going to Paris. <laughs> of course he did. Why would he? Dude, if this guy tries to make a 9/11 movie, we're all he would have to knock he would have to knock down the freedom towers and then rebuild the twin towers and then he could begin shooting find a russian pool how how do we know this guy's not currently trying to make a movie about contagious viruses you want to know something is that all the like i it's worse than all the jokes that you're making what he's doing now um so the premiere went to Paris and with Jeffrey Epstein and said I have to make a movie about this. <laughs> Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein Epstein's in the himself. city he that this dude built. In, yeah. Oh, he was cast in Dow. Bob, yeah, Bob Marley's been fucking a waiter in Dow for the last <laughs> Jerry years. Garcia and Tupac. <laughs> But not Elvis. <laughs> not Elvis. Not Elvis. No, he's really dead. If um, you die pooping, you die in real life. <laughs> so Paris was like pretty hype about having the premiere there. They were they're all about it. They loved this weird fucking like Stanford we don't care if experiment. Anyways, we're French. <laughs> <laughs> um now he was forced to scale back his ambitions for the Paris premiere, though, because it was taking place at two theaters um, that I, I can't tell where they were located. Actually, I in my mind they have to be across the street. Otherwise, his idea is even more bonkers than his, um, his plan was to actually behead Marie Antoinette again. <laughs> Well, no, what he wanted to do was, since it was being uh, held at two theaters, he wanted uh, uh, like the people who were uh, viewing and being a part of the experience to be able to go immediately between them without any hesitation. So he proposed uh, a sort of like sky bridge between the two theaters that people could walk between them on. Why is this That's dude why just I'm saying shit? You play too much mind. I think he's thinking of the Minecraft. City play. Skylines is a PS Plus game this month. Ooh, is it? <laughs> it is. Uh, I don't need to play it on desktop and on console. It's too much. I might have to go go download that. Sounds fun. Now, he was told that he couldn't do that because, obviously. (laughs) But he still held the premiere in Paris. So, So at the premiere, when visiting the theater, you have to be over 18, and you purchase, instead of a ticket, an entry visa. Uh, a three-hour pass costs 35 euros, or about $40. An M1 visa, which grants unlimited access over the month-long run, is 150 Mitch, question, euros. Question, if you get married to someone inside the park, <laughs> <laughs> are you granted citizenship? <laughs> I feel like if that was proposed to him, he would have to revise everything and take another six years before he could premiere it. He all 700 hours of footage. He's like, we didn't think it through enough. Do it again. <laughs> Honestly, this was half-cocked, guys. 
Uh, visitors fill out a psychometric test and receive a, a device uh, in exchange for their phone. They have to hand over their phone and receive a device that's basically just a phone that guides you through the exhibition and takes you to installations. Uh, now, uh, upon entering, their their uh, experiences are all different, like based on whatever, I guess, passport you get. Um, uh, everyone will be invited to see at least one of the 13 uh, feature-length films that they're showing. However, uh, only a portion of the material... What the fuck? Holy shit. Okay. Everyone gets invited to at least one of the movies, and then they're also allowed to go into like a viewing booth that's like a photo booth that they close, and they can just look through 700 hours of footage. They Wait, can just kind of scroll raw footage? through the footage. Yeah, and as they look through the footage, things like uh, like information about the the characters will come up on screen. So like you'll get to see their passport and their documentation, maybe letters that they've written. And these are all like the letters are all real things that they wrote in fucking character while doing this Dude. for six years. Okay, yeah, the Westworld I think is the closest thing. <laughs> I think that is the closest. All right, so you're all on this loop, and you do this, and then we'll make booths where you can watch a 700 hour movie <laughs> with crazy. real footage. Uh, they also uh, at this uh, premiere had uh, an apartment set up that had two way mirrors, so from the outside viewers could look in and see a Soviet apartment with two. Uh, uh, actors living in it 24 hours a day throughout the exhibition so they could see more of, of what what Dow is. Uh, and depending on the time, visitors might also be invited to one of an ever-changing series of talks and performances, including uh, by Robert Del Naja of uh, Massive Attack uh, or Brian Eno. We're just, you know, there doing music, hanging out, having fun. Um, I think... Marina Abramovic may have come back and uh, done some kind of a panel for it as well. Um, and that was that was the exhibit. It was like a fully immersive experience, and they they continued to tour it. They did wind up going now, to did they, Berlin. Did they use did they use like a lot of the same people from the movie, like a lot of the same extras and stuff, or is it like, like for the Soviet like, apartment for the exhibit? Yeah, like the immersive parts of the exhibit. Are they using like the same people? Are they casting like new? As far as I know, I, I think it's mostly like new people who are who are probably hired by like the theater or something. Um, gotcha. But uh, it does seem that they were actors were present to like hang out. I'm not sure if they were in character or not at the event, though. It, it seems like they might have been able to just be people. Interesting. Now, Ilya Kershanovsky is uh, very recently, like as of last month, under fire for his new project. See, now that now that he's he's touring Dow, all that's left is you know uh, releasing some some more of the films. He's he's moved on to something something bigger, something more dear to his heart. Um, he was. For some reason, uh, appointed the artistic director of the Bob and Yar Holocaust Memorial Center. Yeah. 
It is yet to be opened. It was uh, meant to be. It's it's the site of the like single worst Nazi massacre. Like it was the fucking worst thing to ever happen. So and he's gonna and he's definitely gonna hire real Nazis because we can't let I that guess. happen. He's got those guys in the Rolodex. Uh, he wants it to be. He's totally got their. Hold on. He's got their. No. Skinhead shots. We have to stop this. <laughs> like, there's been a fair amount of people who have written letters uh, saying, "Like, hey, hey, this is not cool. He's under investigation for abusing orphans." Um. <laughs> <laughs> He abuses orphans and employs Nazis. Um, his goal is to bring his hyper-realistic cinema style to the museum. Um, he wants to have uh, displays in which visitors would find themselves playing the role of victims, collaborators, Nazis, or prisoners of war who were forced to burn corpses. I don't understand how he hopes to achieve any of that. I think so look, he's... We, can, we can either go to Legoland or well, or he here we has a name for it. It's yeah. probably terrible. Um, Let's hear it. California he, Adventure. He refers to it as Holocaust Disneyland. No. No. That sounds like Disney. the worst punk band. Fourteen-year-olds <laughs> <laughs> angry in their bedroom. We are Holocaust Disneyland. Holocaust. <laughs> that is. Oh, oh my no. God. Oh my god. I mean, there's and I, I guys, I tried so desperately. I spent all of last night just desperately searching for the article that said he had been taken off of the job that he's no longer doing it but it's that it hasn't come yet he's still set to to do this uh though because of his plans they were originally set to open in 2023 uh they are now set to open in 2026 so god knows what he'll be doing in the next six years Man, this is just like Nintendo Land. It just keeps getting pushed back. And oh. <laughs> they keep orphan. They keep torturing orphans. <laughs> just Real like life Nintendo Avatar Land. Land, except with torture. Yeah, <laughs> Avatar Land sells plenty of orphans. They're just he's the Russian happy. James Cameron. <laughs> he is. He is. Just it's he built this is his submarine. That's the only difference. <laughs> it's like James Cameron loves a submarine. This is this guy's submarine. Oh god, he would if he had a submarine, crazy. he would probably do like some crazy Captain Nemo shit. Oh man. Don't let this that guy, guy get a fucking submarine. He's gonna get it. He can get whatever he wants. <laughs> the, the, this guy is a great example of why you never say a short film is good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> This is why nobody gets a trophy. Yeah. Everybody gets a trophy. People are fucking subjecting people to torture for cinema. <laughs> yeah. You're fucking strapping shit to orphans' heads. Man. So usually the short film festival is torture enough. But now I have to make it a whole. Hey, oh. <laughs> it's, not, it's not one who's been in short film festivals, let me tell you. Fucking garbage. Ugh. Oh, dude. Brag. I love, a great, I, love, I love an overexposed window, a seed where the sound wasn't finished, so it's like weirdly quiet. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, 
Oh man, that was great. What a fun story. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to go. Do you guys kind of want to go? To which part? <laughs> no, we like, cannot go, go to Nazi Disneyland. No, not Nazi Disneyland. I want to go to like the original set. Oh, of Dow? Well, yeah, I want to go to Dow. At the end of Degeneration, that's why the uh, the the white supremacists, the neo-Nazis that he hired, he had them actually destroy the set at the end because apparently oh that's what happened in real life. I guess far-right extremists were hired and then destroyed the, the real institute. So he had to have the same thing happen. Whoa. Yeah. Well. I guess I got to cancel my post-quarantine vacation then. (laughs) (laughs) Chernobyl's still there. Yeah. I I heard it was on fire recently, actually. I heard it was on fire too recently. Was it really? Yes, it was. The radiation like go way back up because it caught on fire. All these people trying to go smoke blunts in Chernobyl is bound to happen. Kyle, was that you? I'm just trying to go smoke a fucking fatty in Chernobyl, bro. (laughs) Smoking big doinks in Pripyat. Chernobyl. (laughs) Big doinks doinks in Pripyat with my friend the drug. Oh, guys. uh, Thanks so much for listening. Um, As always, uh, extremists, uh, you can follow the show at Extremely Internet. Uh, you can check out our live show kids in the yard, uh, and really very in LA, uh, when, when that's allowed again, um, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, so yep. sad. you can follow me, uh, Kyle Anderson comedy on Instagram and danger Anderson on Twitter. Uh, my name is Mitch Holloman. You can find me at Mitch Holloman on everything. Uh, and also, I would like to, uh, real quick, uh, for the sources that I can't get to load, and I should have said so much earlier, uh, everybody check out the articles that I pulled from for this today. There was uh, uh, Michael Idov's uh, article in GQ, the the film set that ate itself, uh, the Guardian article inside the Stalinist Truman Show. <laughs> Uh, the New York Times article about Dow's uh, Berlin release and an Atlantic article that won't currently load. But I do believe that one's about child abuse. Guys, what do you have for us? What are your plugs? Oh, boy. Speaking of child abuse, please watch <laughs> Moms Lifting Cars Off of Babies on we got YouTube. Two, three, and four coming out probably already by the time this is out but yeah yep. a, you guys are making that like a 13 part immersive video experience. yes we four, actually four are <laughs> four whole parts uh we will be releasing them and uh you can find those on youtube.com backslash c backslash gorp broadcasting that's gorp g-o-r-p broadcasting and randy and the milk boys there too check it out while you're there Very one of my favorite projects we should probably plug the show we're on which is me money at me money oh, yeah. official on instagram uh me money x when it's allowed so excited live show and those are good memes guys if you guys fuck with memes just go just go follow the page just because you're gonna have good memes to, to post in your story good times yeah. good times good times better friends it's money. a distraction. Papa John's. Papa John's. Today, Reckoning has Chuck E. Cheese. Or Pasquale's. Pasquale's. 